Ice tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love it. you way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, say. I am a first class name dropper. The great legendary John Madden, and then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're playing this. Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Sheffy. We are getting set for week number 14, which kicks off on Thursday Night Football. Again, our penultimate Thursday Night Football game of our very first 13-game season on NFL Network is Peyton Manning making his first excursion to the Black Hole in Oakland as a member of the Denver Broncos, freshly clinching the AFC West for Denver in week number 13, which had to have been, had to have been the most exciting week of football that I I, I might say I've seen in in the nine-plus years I've done this job at NFL Network. Wow. It was awesome. Chris Law, Chris Brockman. Uh, that's a large statement, and I don't, you know, I can't recall some weeks off the top of my head in the previous nine seasons that we've been doing this here at the network. But it was the first time well, that, I, I that pulled in. I pulled in at one. You were coming out. You were leaving. Oh, and we, we looked at just, each other. We were, we were like, sort of like, "Whoa, did you see? This is awesome. What we just saw. I mean, think about what we saw uh, on the week thirteen Sunday. What we saw were two overtime games." Two overtime games, one that was pulled off by Seattle on a walk-off touchdown by Russell Wilson after Russell Wilson marched down the field to go on top of Chicago by three points with 24 seconds to go, only to have that vaunted secondary of Seattle somehow, some way, give up a 54-yard completion between Cutler and Brandon Marshall, who almost had 200 yards receiving on, on Sunday, and... Robbie Gold kicks the field goal to force overtime. Seattle wins the toss and marches down, scores the game-winning touchdown. Touchdown. Two touchdowns, length of the field by Russell Wilson on the road to make Seattle the first-ever team outside of the Chicago Bears division to win three straight games in Soldier Field in three consecutive years. Russell Wilson's feet on that overtime drive were insane. We may never see that again. Wow. Think about it. It's like Seattle's been a part of the of the NFC North the last three years. That, and then the, the anomaly that, that Seattle would play Chicago three straight years for whatever reason, right. and that three straight years, none of those games are played in Seattle. Seattle's got to go to Chicago, and it's only the seventh road win for Pete Carroll in 23 attempts since he came back from USC to back into the pros. And of the seven wins, three are in Soldier Field, Field with three different quarterbacks. Hasselbeck one year, Tavares Jackson last year, and this year Russell Wilson. And the Seattle Seahawks are 7-5 and five with four games left, just like everybody else. Three of them in front of the 12th man, all of them in division. And as I said on NFL Game Day morning in uh, my, my appearance before Judge, Judge, uh, Sapp. Judge Sapp, the Honorable uh, Warren C. Sapp, who heard cases on all the bubble teams in the NFC, for who's going to make the playoffs as the sixth seed. Um, as I told Judge Sapp, uh, they've got three games left in front of the 12th man, all against the division, and the Rams and Cardinals have offenses that fire fewer bullets than a man in a Cialis commercial. 
Thank or you or Jimmy I'll Johnson. All week. Okay, and and um, and then uh, their one road game is at Buffalo, and they've got their final game of the season against San Francisco, which lost an overtime game to the Rams. That was almost another tie. Was almost another tie. Mooch comes running in. Mooch comes running in as we're watching this game. Mooch comes running in and says, "Would you believe coming into this year, the all-time record between the Rams and San Francisco 49ers, 61 and 61 and two, and the thing could end the season, 61, 61 and four, and the overtime had all the makings of another tie, including another David Akers miss of a field goal. Yep, and." Um, young Jeezy kicked the game winner, and I was looking for a flag for an offside or a delay or something. Yeah, something. That's right. to have this that's thing right. in, and it's had something. that happen again, it would have been another time because there was about there was ten oh, seconds yeah. left. They, they they ticked it all the way down, yep. and and now comes the whole question of would Alex Smith have won that game? Alex Smith watching as Colin Kaepernick struggled. The hot hand cooled. The down. hot hand yeah. cooled, but the legs kept going. I yeah. mean the way he ran, yeah. but the but, way he ran down the field, essentially to what we thought would wrap the game up, but Akers missed the subsequent field goal right. in in overtime. He just kept going. I mean, he can cover ten yards in what looks like two strides. He's long. He's a gazelle out Woo. there. A tattoo. Let's not gazelle. forget that. That just shows you why maybe he's there, right? Well, Alex Smith, though, I mean, he was a product of Urban Meyer at, uh, at uh, Utah. Yeah, he but, can run. but Kaepernick shows you. The, the youth, the youth. Now, yeah. Harbaugh took it on on them. The reason why the game got tied is because with the team up 10-2 to two in mere, mere moments to go in the game, deep in their own end, backed up inside their own 20, they called a play that they would never call with Alex Smith, which was a fake, and then a pitch to Ted Ginn, and Kaepernick flung the pitch over Ginn's head. Ooh. And the uh, Rams recovered for a touchdown. And then despite having another procedure penalty on them for the two-point conversion, got the two-point conversion from the seven to tie the game at ten. Harbaugh took it on him saying, that was my fault. Offensive coaches shouldn't have called that play. He's taken the bullet for the kid. But the reason why the Rams had two points is because Kaepernick was called for intentional grounding in the end zone on a play that started from their own seventeen. <laughs> That's how far the kid kept fading back. He, as far as he runs forward with just two strides, we found out he can run backwards it's just like, as much it's and like just when you're as playing, quickly. When you're playing Madden, you just kind of go back. Just it to was one of those things. Way. I'm like, when, when he was called for grounding, I'm like, yeah, it was grounding, no doubt about it. And then I heard, like, wait, that's right. That play started from the 17. It wasn't from the two. Right from the 17, he faded back that far and made that young rookie mistake. And now these are you're seeing mistakes that are made in close games and wondering like, would Alex Smith have done that? And Harbaugh is doing what everybody expects him to do. On Monday, he announced it's getting earlier and earlier. Remember, yeah. you know, in New Orleans, they didn't was, announce it, it until was, the day of the game last week. Was Wednesday. Wednesday. Right. Now it was Monday. Soon it's going to be right after the game, yeah. maybe this week against Miami, maybe, which a lot of people expect the Niners to win. Maybe Rex Ryan should take a page out of and then there's that. Harbaugh's book. There's that. That happened, too, on Sunday. A mesmerizing game between the Jets and the Cardinals in which offense was set back so long. My tweet was that the Cardinals and Jets are setting – Offensive football back to the Nucky Thompson days. I don't even know who that is. You don't watch Boardwalk Empire. Empire. The season finale of which, this past Sunday, spectacular. 
gets better and better. Please do yeah. yourself a favor. I saw, I saw somebody, I saw somebody tweet that uh, Mario Rivera, Rivera came in and got a four-out save. Uh, I mean, please. The Jets could have caught – it was so bad, the Jets would have gone to Danny Almonte if they could have. <laughs> so, All right? And, and, and it, it, was, it was absurd that, that the Jets were struggling on offense. I don't care that Santonio Holmes is out. Right. You still have Sean Green back there and Bilal Powell. Okay, it was a young kid, but everybody's running their young kids right now. Bryce Brown, for instance, against the, for an offensive team that's starting a rookie quarterback and a makeshift offensive line. Bryce Brown, for instance. Jonathan Dwyer, another for instance. Ronnie Hillman and Sean Marino coming off of being a healthy scratch for 10 weeks, for instance. The Jets have rushers behind an offensive line that does have Nick Mangold on it, that has have Matt Slauson on it, that does have DeBrickashaw Ferguson on it. They've got Curly, who makes some plays sometime, and 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 his and and his tight end Dustin. Kel- I mean, it's not their second best receiver, Kamari. Okay, they're, yes, correct. They're not well, like a D two college team. They were down three nothing at half. Three nothing at half, and Rex Ryan pulls Mark Sanchez. Pulls him. Okay, pulled him for Greg McElroy because Tim Tebow is inactive, meaning. This. The whole Tim Tebow to the Jets saga that this network and our media group and every other nationally known media group spent all off season pounding the drum on and eating that catnip all off season long. This is how it plays out. <laughs> Jets get Tebow. Okay. Get him. Don't really show you much in preseason because they say there's a package out there for him. Make you think he's going to play maybe even a quarter of the snaps of a game. How's it going to work? What happens when he comes in? How often do we talk about that? He's going to come in. You go back to Sanchez. Sanchez does well. You pull him. Tebow comes in. And then Sanchez comes back, doesn't do well. Why'd you pull him? All of those questions are coming. Jets say there's a package for Tim Tebow. In the preseason, but we're not unveiling it. As a matter of fact, media, you must leave our training camp facility because we need the cloak of secrecy as we practice the Tebow package. That leads to a regular season in which Tim Tebow barely freaking plays. Never, never comes off the bench for more than just a cup of mid-game coffee. Even in games in which Sanchez is struggling at Pittsburgh, why would you put Tim Tebow on the field? It's not like he beat Pittsburgh and sent him home in the playoffs. Oh, yes, he did. Why wouldn't you put him in against Miami when you're struggling against him, not only in Miami, but also at Miami? Why wouldn't you put him in? It's not like Tebow time was born against Miami. Oh, yes, it was. No, don't put him in in Thanksgiving night. Don't put him in on Thanksgiving night when the entire country watches three touchdowns scored on the Jets in 52 seconds, including the first ever scoop and score butt fumble. No, no, no. But Tim fumble. Tebow cannot play that game because why? He's got two broken ribs. Two broken ribs found in a CT scan the day before Thanksgiving, and yet he's active. Why was he active? Nobody knows. Next week, next week, mini-buy, 
after the short week. Next week, Tebow inactive. In the one game, Ryan decides to finally pull Mark Sanchez. So the guy who leads him to victory is the seventh-round draft choice that they got in the Kerry Rhodes trade. Ah, yes. By the way, I mean, by the way Rich, just, Rich just All stood of up. That. He stood up when he All did that. All of that leads <laughs> to Greg McElroy leading them to victory while Tebow watches in street clothes. And that, that is one magic loogie. <laughs> one magic loogie. Nice. That nice. is the way this is all played out. Who predicted that? I tell you what, it's easier to win the Powerball. Two people did that. Two people did that. Yes, yes, this is true. <laughs> Adam Reich said, uh, if you would have thought an SEC national championship winning quarterback would have been playing for the Jets you would have not have thought McElroy was that the first happened one. that right. happened in the same day Andrew Luck becomes the first ever number one overall quarterback to win eight games in his rookie season with four to go down 33 21 after throwing three picks against Detroit comes back leads him down the field 33 28 no timeouts left he looked great four cracks drive. out of it from inside the Lions 10 final one Flips it to Donald Avery. Touchdown, no time left. Colts are eight and four. That happened. Luck could have ran that in, I thought. Yeah, he could have. That happened. That happened in week 13. What also happened in week 13? Adrian Peterson runs for 210 yards against Green Bay. It's over, folks. It may be over for the season for Minnesota now, six and six, because Green Bay overcame that somehow to improve to eight and four and overtake the NFC North because of what Russell Wilson did in Chicago. But Adrian Peterson, he is, he's, that's it. He's got, he is now 308 yards clear of the next closest rusher in the league, Marshawn Lynch. Adrian Peterson needs to average 138 and a half yards per game over the final four. To get 2,000 yards. It is possible, folks. He can get a 2,000-yard season in the season after he blows out his knee in Week 16. This is incredible. That happened in Week 13. I'm not done. He's not done. I'm not done. Although I I tweeted this out in regards to Adrian Peterson. I was going to call my insurance company today, see if I can get elective ACL surgery. (laughs) I mean, why not? I'm not done. That happened. You know what also happened in this week? The Pittsburgh Steelers, with their third-string quarterback, goes into Baltimore and beats the Ravens a week after turning the ball over eight times on the road in division against Cleveland. Eight times? Any given Sunday. Comes back and beats the Ravens in Baltimore, where they hadn't lost since the Steelers beat them in... 2010. How did that happen? And now the Steelers' season is completely alive. All of that happened. I'm not even mentioning how the Patriots clinched the AFC East and how Denver, as I mentioned at the top of the show, clinched the AFC West, and that went over Tampa, allowed the Falcons to clinch the NFC South. And a testament to just how well the Colts have played this year is the fact 
that the only division in the AFC that could not have been clinched yesterday was the AFC South led by a team that has 11 wins. Because the Colts haven't played Houston yet. And believe it or not, after week 14, they still won't have played them. Because Houston's going to New England this week. And Indianapolis is home for Tennessee, the ultimate game they should win. That would be 9-4, and four, okay? <laughs> that would be 9-4. and four, And then the Colts do, in fact, finish up with two of their final three against Houston. And that, you know, I mean, Houston loses in New England. Yeah, I mean, they theoretically. Dude. Seriously. 12-4, and four, both of them, could happen. And then your guy's going to get Coach of the Year. I don't know how Bruce Arians doesn't get mentioned Coach of the Year. And we're going to talk about later on whether Luck should get MVP votes with uh, um, Alex Sulkin. The Sulk is coming in. He is coming in to um, to talk about his Patriots and talk about the rest of this league. He is, a, as you know, a, a longtime writer, a family guy. Ted, he's been on this podcast before, the At The Sulk, S-U-L-K, he has a good Twitter following. Follow. He's got almost a half million he's on Twitter. Great, great. Might even be over a half million now. He's coming in. And uh, Brian Billick, who was at that Jets-Cardinals game, is going to join this show as well. And we're going to talk with him as, also about what went down in Kansas City. And again, the only reason why I didn't throw this into the Week 13 um, rant that I sort of just went on right now is because I don't really want to talk about this game in football terms, even though the Chiefs did come up with their their home win. I don't want to talk about it too much, let's put it this way, in football terms. This is a football show. It still was a football game that the Chiefs played. And uh, I do want to take a moment to offer my condolences to the Perkins family and to the Chiefs family. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here. And obviously, Javon Belcher's family. They lost a son. Even He clearly lost it. He, he, he clearly lost all sense uh, we still I, I, I mean, we're going to find out eventually what, what happened I, that's the call I get from all, all my friends it's like what do you what happened with Javon Belcher what happened with him what happened with him and and the wife of his three month old daughter why yeah, would he do horrible. something like that no idea. and you know there's so much discussion of what Bob Costa said on Sunday Night Football about handguns and things of that nature it's just well, what did happen with this young man that made him pick up a gun, pointed at it at the mother of his child, and pull the trigger several times, in front of his mother. Right. I thought it was her mother. Her mother. Yeah, in front of her mother. I thought his mother was at the house. Was visiting. From what I yeah, from what I heard. I mean, the unspeakable horror that was witnessed by so many of of his and her loved ones on Saturday. And we'll talk about all this with Brian Billick. Um, a coach uh, of of note for all his years in Baltimore, as we all know, and uh, of the NFL Network, and uh, get you set for for week number uh, week number fourteen. We're we're talking on Monday right now. Rex Ryan has not named anybody as his starting quarterback. Jim Harbaugh has, but guess where Rex they play Ryan this has. week? By the way, Jacksonville. Guess uh, what Jacksonville was doing, planning on doing, trying to get Tebow, removing the tarps off oh. the top of their stadium because so many people want to see Tim Tebow play. Ooh. Does Rex give them that? See, I subscribe a little bit to the conspiracy to theory. Re- I think, They'd... personally, I think Rex should stay with McElroy. Rex is stubborn. He'll stick with Sanchez. I think he's got to. The money the money, and everything 
And and they ever, uh, they didn't have to sign him to that bonus oh, in the yeah, offseason yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would bet that Sanchez starts on Sunday. Let's now get to uh, the man who called this game between the Jets and the Arizona Cardinals. A man who, um, I don't know how he's doing it with the back problem that, that knocked him out of the booth a couple weeks ago. And then he goes to New York and now he's phoning in right now, perhaps through whatever Vicodin haze he's on right now. <laughs> Coach Brian Billick, thanks for joining the podcast. Well, people people have accused me of having opinions that were laced with uh, something in for a long time. Yes. Not documentable. Now it is documentable. Now it is. How how are you? I guess let's start with that. You doing okay? I'm doing it's, it's, it's getting that, that way. Fortunately, I only had to take a car up to New York, but uh, I'll probably be out that way next week, hopefully, and uh, get this uh, thing back on the road. At least you know you uh, making your appointed round like the professional that you are. At least you had an invigorating, exciting uh, offensive juggernaut of a game to see, Brian. At least you had that right. It was a track meet, wasn't it? That was uh, as bad a display of offensive football as I think I've seen in a long, long time. Oh, my goodness. But at least, you know, with Arizona, with a makeshift offensive line, with rookie tackles, with uh, a sixth-round choice, at least there's that. The Jets, with Mark Sanchez in year five, year five, Brian, having to – force Rex Ryan's hand. I mean, I know uh, Tom Brenneman brought it up to you in the first half, and I was lockstep with you. If he goes away from Sanchez, how can he put this genie back in the bottle? But he really had no choice, right? Oh, he didn't, and it's surprising he didn't go a little earlier. And it's still debatable, can you go back to Sanchez? And and certainly he can. You, you can't eliminate that option. Although, if, if at the heart of it, Rex Ryan has to decide, do I still believe in Mark Sanchez? And, and he has every right to do that particularly when you have to ask the second part of the question as well. All right, if not Sanchez, and I'm talking about long-term even, what then? In free agency, the draft, I don't think this looks to be a particularly good year in either one of those to think that you're going to reestablish a team that can get you to the AFC championship team in either one of those routes. So it does beg the question of the second part of if not him, then who? Uh, So maybe he can go back to Sanchez, but I, I think that's more metaphorically because I don't know how you ever go back once you've replaced a starter. And it's not like, you know, and Tom and I were talking about because of his baseball background. Right. Yeah, if your starter struggles, like he'd put him back, pull him out, put him back in the rotation, let him work his way out of it. Yeah, that's with 162 games. When you pull a starting quarterback in New York in his fifth year who's been struggling this year, haven't you pretty much said, no, that's it, we know we don't have our guy? Well, what do you think Tebow is thinking as he's uh, inactive for the first time all year long because of, uh, of of the rib injury? And now, when he's inactive, Rex Ryan decides to pull the trigger on, on benching somebody. Is can, can we read this in your estimation of the ultimate vote of no confidence in Tim Tebow for Rex Ryan? Well, you know, we can go down the conspiracy theorist route, but that doesn't mean it's not right. Uh, and, and I don't disagree with you at all. I think, and this is strictly judgmental on my part, having sat in the building and visiting with people and, and watching from the outside, I, I don't believe they think Tebow is the answer, either now or in the future. Why go down that path? Because the amazing thing is now you look at it, the Jets' schedule with Jacksonville, Tennessee, San Diego, Buffalo is very winnable. So you can see 9-7 and seven in the future of this team. Now, does that get it done? We'll find out. But where are you as a franchise if you put Tebow in? Because of who you're playing, he makes his Tebow-esque run that now everybody attributes to him and then get rid of the guy. Uh, it, it, so I don't know that McElroy's the answer. I think he's good serviceable backup right now. So of the options available where I 
clearly said, how do you go back to Mark Sanchez? And, and it's just more rhetorical than otherwise, because once you make that move, you basically said, no, you're not the guy. Um, I can see going back with him and, and him winning some games. Well, they have an eight, uh, I believe, $8.35 million guaranteed to Sanchez next year because of the restructuring of the contract that happened after they swore they didn't really kick the tires on Peyton Manning, that they turned away from him because they liked their quarterback situation as it was constructed. And, you know, they did trade for Tim Tebow two weeks later, but be that as it may, uh, it is just seemingly a complete and total mess there. Unless, and I'm sure this is the idea that will be forwarded to Woody Johnson by Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager, and Rex Ryan, that you consider their best offensive player in Santonio Holmes and defensive player in Darrell Rivas were gone for the season in the first quarter of the regular season. Do you think that this is larger than just those two guys being out? Or what we are seeing the struggling, the manifestation of it? Well, and that's the question they have to answer in terms of their conviction. You're right. It begins with, and it's an organizational decision, do we think Mark Sanchez, who we took with the fifth pick of the draft in 2009, is indeed our franchise quarterback? My issue with that is we're in year five, or you're in year four, excuse me, that he has yet to complete more than 60% of his passes in any given year. Now, I understand that in 2009, 2010, you're a caretaker, play good defense, run the ball. You did that very, very well. But now in the last two years where we're not as good defensively, we're not running the ball as well, and we need, given the lessons you have learned, for you to step up and be that franchise quarterback and get us over the hump in a year where we're not as good, he has not been able to do that. And I think that's the indictment of Mark Sanchez. Well, I mean, you just take a look at – if you look at – passer rating which you know i know that this is you can go back and forth i know espn has created their own statistic that they they think is a better metric of of a quarterback's value but this is what we've got here certainly for for so long the only guys in the nfl quarterbacks starting quarterbacks who have a a worse passer rating than sanchez are matt castle and john skelton and right above him are two are two uh are three rookie quarterbacks and luck whedon and Tannehill. Now, it also goes to show you that passer rating doesn't really mean much, that the 29th overall is Andrew Luck, who I think should be in to get some MVP uh, discussion. But you were there. Is this a Sanchez problem? Do you think this is a Sanchez problem with what you saw with your own two eyes? Uh, well, let me, let me defend him first and then give you my answer. First, he, <laughs> is, he is surrounded by a group of receivers that he's having to wait and see. Are they exactly where they're supposed to be before actually throw the ball? Uh, they're not running the ball well. They're not as good defensively as they have been. So that those are fair observations. But having said that, I would have expected, and everybody has injuries. It's always funny, Rich. I sit in, the, in these production meetings on Friday, and the first thing coaches, ever, every single one of them says, well, we don't talk about you – know, everybody hurts. We don't talk about injuries. We don't talk about being young. Then they spend the next 45 minutes talking about how beat up and young they are. <laughs> Uh, but it's one of those deals where I just my expectations for Mark Sanchez aren't being met as to where he should be right now, even given those circumstances. And uh, I, I just I just don't see it. He's beginning, and I hate I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm killing him, but I guess I am. He's beginning to look Joey Harrington like to me, 
in terms of the progression of how Joey didn't progress, <laughs> obviously with uh, not much around him at some point. But um, the body of work has me concerned. Wow. I mean, that's... Uh... That's quite Joey's a Joey's a four-letter word. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. certainly to, to mooch around here, as you yeah. know. And w- well, what do you think about the offensive coordinator, Tony Sperano? I mean, you're, you're a man who's coordinated some offenses in your day prior to the Patriots 2007. Your, your offense you coordinated in Minnesota held the record for over a decade of, of most points in a season. I mean, uh, we, we see some of the film broken down by Kurt Warner on game day morning that it, it, it does not look very um, – intricate let's put it this way what do you think about the the way that they're they're drawing things up for sanchez well likewise it's it's you're, you can only do with the materials that you have to deal with but frankly i think tony sprano right now his offense and his play calling looks like a guy who is calling an offense for the first time in the national football league and that's exactly what he's doing uh he didn't call it in dallas he wasn't the coordinator he was the head coach obviously had huge input in miami but he wasn't the play caller in Miami. And, and, and you know, it's a little bit of uh, as odd as it sounds when someone who's been in the league a long time and, and is clearly a good coach. Uh, it's a little bit of on-the-job training right now. And uh, last question for you on this game, because, oh, you know, obviously we in the media and the national media get stuck on the bright, shiny object that is New York and the New York Jets. Arizona has now lost eight in a row. Uh, Brian, and you see what their uh, their quarterback situation is. Uh, I, I know I said, what does Tim Tebow think it's standing on the sideline? I can only think what Larry Fitzgerald is thinking and what Wisenhunt is thinking. What do you think Ken Wisenhunt is thinking right now as he has now lost eight in a row and was once upon a time 4-0? and I think he's thinking, I don't have a lot of options that are very palatable right now. I think Kevin Cobb getting healthy gives them the only chance to not only try to salvage a little bit something, but also to see, indeed, can Kevin Cobb be our guy? He showed signs of that before getting injured. You know, um, I sat with Ken Wisenhunt when they started um, uh, Max Hall. And he told me the same thing about Max Hall as he told me about Ryan Lindley. This kid has something about him, and I think there's a maturity there. And in both instances, uh, and, and he's, he's doing all that he can with what he has to work with. So I understand that. I've been there. I mean, I've started Troy Smith, a quarterback, in a game and, and said the same thing. But, you know, sometimes a quarterback that shows a calm and not panicking is really just showing you the signs of not having enough experience to know that he should be afraid. Um, because, you, you know, the, the, the proverbial fog of war, um, and that's what I see in this kid, uh, obviously, Skelton's not the answer, and they don't think he's the answer. They've seen enough of him. I think Kevin Cobb's the only choice. A.K.A. the conversation we had earlier, I don't think there's a lot of options here in the offseason. I don't think there's going to be any really free agents. Uh, they're going to come to the rescue. The draft, there are no Andrew Lux and RG3s. At least those teams hmm. could say, oh, God, let's just suck so we can get a chance. <laughs> Whether it's Geno Smith at West Virginia, Landry at Oklahoma, any of these guys that are coming out. You know, we've seen what it is when we – drag early second-round picks into that first round out of hope more than anything else, a.k.a. Um, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, maybe even a Jake Locker. Uh, it's not a pretty picture. Uh, and so, unfortunately, for the Arizona Cardinals, who are going to have an option at picks, there's not a lot of options that way this year either. Maybe they can have a Russell Wilson uh, or a Colin Kaepernick, and I want to hit you on both of those quarterbacks right now, starting with Kaepernick, who, who looked um, like he, you know, he came back through the atmosphere uh, yesterday uh, on Sunday in St. Louis, and now here's Harbaugh, 
for the first time having to answer questions, uh, wondering if Alex Smith could have won that game. And he is already named Kaepernick just on Monday, the starter for the next game against Miami. So it seems that this is going to be his guy for the foreseeable future. How do you think Harbaugh is handling this situation from your perspective, Brian? Well, you know, it's again, it's a different situation because he has two guys that uh, can play pretty good, uh, that he feels good about. And we don't know what Alex Smith would have done. For some reason, St. Louis, and, and I've seen this before, where St. Louis isn't as good a team as the Rams. That's, that, that, I mean, it is what it is. But they seem to match up well with them. And sometimes you get that, an inferior team that just matches up. Remember, you know, we, we have that. I'm sorry. I'm not... Are those, is that your, your TiVo of your game? You're listening to your game? Because if you're watching your game again, Brian, then I, I mean. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm trying to look at some stats here. Right. And everybody's got to turn up the volume. And- yeah, everybody. Is that, if, yeah, everybody's always got a, a video on their web page now. But okay, I'm sorry. As you were saying about uh, about Colin there, it's not like they played St. Louis well before either. Nope. Uh, with Alex Smith, so first off, we can't presuppose that Alex Smith would have played any better. Uh, and I don't. Let's also look at Colin Kaepernick. Didn't play that poorly. It's not like he went out and threw a bunch of interceptions. Uh, for some reason, they just couldn't get it done against the Rams. But I think they got a great opportunity to come back this week against Miami, a team they ought to match up very well with, particularly at home. Uh, I applauded going to Colin Kaepernick because I think he is going to be their quarterback of the future. And I think he can win as well now with him as they can Alex Smith. And I might be in the minority that way, and it sounds like I'm killing Alex Smith and I don't need to. But I think a lot of Colin Kaepernick, and I think you help him get past his bump in the road, that really wasn't that big a bump because it was not – no one could certainly look at Colin Kaepernick and say he's the reason they lost the game. And uh, But San Francisco now has only a half-game lead for that second bye-week spot in the NFC over uh, a multiple of teams at 8-4, at and four. and that includes Chicago that dropped to 8-4 and four because Seattle won a big game on the road in Soldier Field where remarkably, they've won three years in a row. Just remarkably in the fact that the schedule broke that way for a team outside of the Bears division to put them in Soldier Field like they are in the division three straight years. And they won all those years. Three different quarterbacks, Hasselbeck, Tavares, Jackson, and now Russell Wilson, who is the two-way threat that, that Pete Carroll said could be. And you know a lot of people were wondering if he was right for sticking with him from like weeks four through eight when he was struggling. And now this thing seems to be paying off, Uh, Brian. How do you see him moving forward in the final quarter of the season? Well, I think it was a big box to check off, just like Atlanta beating New Orleans, where are you going to, well, can you do it on the road? Okay, well, can you beat Atlanta? Can you beat New Orleans when it really counts? Uh, Yes to both. So now let's move on. Throw, you know, give me the next criticism that you think I'm not very good. Um, I think Seattle, this was a big, big win. And Russell Wilson will continue to get better. He's got a learning curve that is uh, obviously going very well right now. And we keep talking about Seattle's chance to be that, that wild card team. You look at this thing playoff now. I'm San Francisco. I'm not breathing as easy as I thought I would be in terms of, because when you look at who Seattle plays, Arizona, Buffalo, and St. Louis to finish the season with a big game against San Francisco in the next to the last weekend. San Francisco, yeah, Miami, but got, they got New England. So let's suppose here that they beat Miami but lose to New England and then now lose to Seattle. This gets very, very interesting. Uh, And so Seattle is a team that definitely bears watching. you got to love what you see in Russell Wilson. Are they good enough to win it all with him at this point? No. 
I don't think so. But with that great defense, particularly if they get to be at home a little bit, uh, and you got to be, be impressed with the way the young guys play. And uh, one last question in the NFC for you right now uh, with Andy Reid. Naming Nick Foles the starter for the rest of, of the season. And so he's going to play out the four games, play out the string. They are 16 out of 16 for a second consecutive week in the NFC. It's Nick Foles, and it clearly seems to be the end of the Andy Reid era now in Philadelphia. And he fired Jim Washburn on Monday as well. There just seems to be some really odd moves that he is making with four weeks to go for a guy that a lot of people figure isn't going to be there past this year. Why do you think he's doing what he's doing? Well, I think we're seeing a unique circumstance where um, last year, where a lot of coaches might have not have survived, given the respect that Mr. Lurie has for Andy, the relationship, and, and the respect he's due given his ability to win, that it was, okay, we're going to decide to go forward. We think we're right there on the cusp. We're going to let this dream team come together and be all the things we thought it was when we put it together, and uh, you're going to give me that opportunity. If it doesn't go well, then as it isn't right now, I think it is a collective organizational process, which Andy Reid's a part of, which is unique to this situation, that says, okay, what do we need to get done? Well, let's free up some money and, and get rid of some of the baggage that we have, a.k.a. Uh, Jason Babin. Um, the coaching staff, uh, it's time for Howard Mudd to retire, and Jim Washburn doesn't want to retire, so I'm going to have to get him out the door. Uh, and I'm going to do those things for the good of this organization that whomever's coaching the Philadelphia Eagles next year will have at least enough film to decide whether he thinks Nick Foles indeed can be their guy or not or whether they need to go into free agency and draft one. So he's doing this for the organization, you think? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's uh, because these are certainly if he were to uh, stay there, and, and I don't know that. It's not my privy to know if Mr. Lurie said, hey, Andy, don't worry about it, you're coming back. But these are things that if you were staying, you would need to do to put yourself in position in order to make the decisions that you're going to have to make going forward. Uh, and I think Andy's doing it because these are organizational decisions that are being made. And uh, I think it's, it's evident that, uh, that it's in conjunction with the organization. Let's just say you're a Super Bowl winning coach who's in the media. Oh, wait a minute, you are. And, and making these decisions about whether or not to jump back on the sideline here, is is Foles a guy that you think will be a draw for somebody to come to Philadelphia? Do you well, think, Brian? Again, let's talk about the options. Who else is out there, and what does the draft look like? Well, there's Vic, right? Not with a $15.5 million. Michael Vick's done, in my opinion. It's too high a ticket. Yeah, it's expensive to get rid of him, but it's more expensive to keep him. Uh, and I, uh, I just can't imagine Michael Vick's going to be in a Philadelphia Eagle uniform next year. Mm. Wow. But Foles, Foles, is Foles a kid? I mean, has he shown you anything in the last three, four weeks, you think? Uh, yeah, at the very least, um, uh, I want to look under the hood a little bit more. Yeah, and let me preface this by saying I'm, I'm not that guy. I appreciate you, you know, giving me a little pub there. But, of course. But, but I'm, uh, uh, I'm done with my days on the sideline. Um, and, and so I'm talking generically now as a coach, but whoever is going to take that job, certainly to have enough film to act, you know, factor into the equation of, is this our guy will be very, very helpful to whoever's coaching them next year. Okay. And last question for you. Uh, what a major win for Pittsburgh 
and, and a series that you are so intimately familiar with, with those two teams and the and the blood that boils and spills over and the fans, the passionate fan base and the paint that gets swapped. I mean, the the emotions ride so high for everybody involved in that Ravens Steelers series, and they came up with a monster, potentially season-saving win on the road where their hopes to even win this division are still alive. And then everyone's talking about that handshake at the end of the game between uh, John Harbaugh and Coach Tomlin. Is there any insight that you could give us for that moment where we everyone's sort of shocked about that? Is there any insight you can give us on that? Yeah, only I would say it's probably it was an emotional response, uh, and certainly John Harbaugh didn't do anything to deserve it. And I don't know that Mike Tomlin. It just wasn't. It was an unexpected win, and I imagine Mike Tomlin was sitting in Pittsburgh all week long, hearing about how Baltimore's got the division, how uh, they can't be caught in the AFC, uh, and and all the problems that the, that the Pittsburgh was going to have, the anointing of Baltimore, so to speak. I think it was a handshake that says. Yeah, that's fine. We ain't done yet, pal. We may see each other down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's not, not that John was the one saying those, just, you know, us in the media and just the perspective. And it's a very hard-fought series. I think it was the frustration of a very good team that's not played well the last two weeks that now did play well enough in a place that nobody wins and to beat them the way they did with who they did at quarterback. Now they're getting Palomalo back. They're going to get Roethlisberger at some point. And watch out for Pittsburgh now. When you look at who they're playing versus who Baltimore is playing, I don't know if they can catch Baltimore, but they're going to make it very interesting. Yeah, Pittsburgh's got three of their final four uh, at home. And, you know, they've, they've you're right. I mean, the, the Ravens still have the Giants to play. They've got to go to RG3 next week. You take a look at the Steelers. They've got the San Diego Chargers who have fallen and can't get up at home. They're at Dallas, and they're home for – two Ohio teams that Ben Roethlisberger and his history have dominated, certainly at home in the Bengals and, and Cleveland Browns. Last question for you, Brian. What what are your thoughts at what Romeo Crennel, I mean, nobody knows what in the world he's going through right now. What a, an unspeakable horror he witnessed on Saturday and then coached a game in which his team, by the way, almost played for the first time in Kansas City Chiefs history, the first turnoverless and penaltyless game uh, I, until a, a delay of game penalty in the 59th minute changed that. What a game, what a performance. I, I'd love to give you the stage to get your thoughts before I let you go. Yeah, like everybody's saying, I, I really don't know how to comment on it because it's beyond any consciousness of, well, what would I do in this situation? And so you literally are making it up as you go, moment by moment, as to how to deal with this individually, for your organization, for your community. The emotional wave you were riding on uh, had to be incredible. It, it is in the, the, the twilight of an unbelievable tragedy, human tragedy, to rally around it all but on a football field. It's inspiring. My concern going forward is the emotion spent on dealing with that. And it didn't matter whether they won or lost against Carolina, just the fact that they played it and played the way they did. My concern is how will they be going forward now? Are they absolutely emotionally spent and now literally just implode um, along the lines where they were heading? I don't mean to cross over back into the sure. side of where they are as a team, but we know they're not a very good football team. To now emotionally having spent your last bullet, as it were, uh, this last weekend, I'm concerned about how they will play and finish the string out 
and what that's going to do to us. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. We appreciate it. Feel better. Where are you going this week? Where do you got this week? Uh, I've got Dallas at Cincinnati. What oh, game. that is a big game. That is here. I thought I was about to let you go. I got to get your thoughts on that. I mean, this. Wow, that's a huge game with both seven seeds in each conference playing each other this week. You know, I had New York at Cincinnati at that time, a team that was struggling. Marvin Lewis, you could sell. You know what? If we could just get a win, this team has the ability to get better and and be a factor, and that's exactly where they are. That was a big win in San Diego because that's classically a win that a Cincinnati team might let go. So Dallas is going to be dealing with it under a tough circumstance, Dallas being what we saw. You know, that was Dallas. Uh, uh, and so this is going to be fascinating. They've got at Philadelphia that Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game is going to be fascinating. I agree with you 100%. Pittsburgh seems to have owned Cincinnati, but I think this might be a different Cincinnati team. Brian, thanks again. Feel good. Sounds good. You bet that's Brian Billick joining the Rich Eisen podcast here, presented by Chevy. You know, just a few thoughts here on the, on the Billick conversation, guys. Um, Sanchez reminds him of Joey Harrington. That's not good. Wow. Not, not good. Wow. Of all the analogies. I was hearing those whispers last night, Oof. kind of during the game, too. People that, throwing that out there. That was one. Vic Dunn. I thought he was going to say, you know, done, done, done. Finished. Just done with the Eagles. Done with the Eagles. Yeah, $100 million deal so? last year. I know. I lot. just don't know. I'm not ready to say that. Do you think over. some new coach coming in one of these new teams, Kansas City, Cleveland, wherever, will take a chance on Vic? Maybe that they're going to hinge their job. Someone's going to be tempted. Yeah, for a five million dollars a year. I yeah, mean, if Vic, Vic, I think probably wants to stay, right? Well, for fifteen million dollars, well, I know go. that, but he's he's not going to get that. He's I mean, not. he can't, he can't, he can't, he can't stay healthy for a full year, and he knows that. Yeah, he could always restructure. I mean, the thing that was good that I w- thought took away from the game last night is they they have three offensive linemen out. Kels, um, Peters was gone for the year, and they lost Todd Harriman's. No Vic, no McCoy, and no Deshaun Jackson. In the fourth quarter, they're winning that game. Well, I'll tell you, but Bryce Brown. But Bryce man, Brown was. Bryce Brown is the guy that I I hoped Lashawn McCoy would be when I drafted him in second yeah. overall in my fantasy draft. As uh, I mean, by the way, and and by the way, are they are they feeding Bryce Brown in a manner in which they did not Lashawn McCoy all year long? Well, well maybe because they feel they have no other option. I guess, right? I mean, it seems like the amount of times that they are feeding Bryce Brown and playing off of his momentum. They didn't do with LaShawn McCoy. And again, I am venting again. This is fully fantasy related because I'm eliminated. You're out. I'm done. I'm sneaking in. I won yesterday. I'm done in the league that I must win because uh, because of, you know. That email my... from a couple weeks well, ago. Well, I mean, we, we, didn't, we never aired that. <laughs> oh, that's right. We never aired that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I get emails from, from, from these guys in the league saying I'm a total fraud being on NFL Network and I'm beating you, blah, 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 blah. And it's filled, laced with profanity. <laughs> That's the league that LaShawn McCoy, I, I, if I had chosen Arian Foster instead of him, the option that I had, I was his second overall pick. It went uh, uh, Ray Rice, number one, and I had the rest of the NFL universe from which to choose, and I went LaShawn McCoy. It's had really, I gone really Arian Foster? It's really too bad that rant from a few weeks ago is, yeah. is lost in the universe. Do we still have it or we don't have it? Uh, it, was, it was I a, probably do have it saved somewhere. It was incredible. I definitely have it saved <laughs> we somewhere. We definitely have it saved I'm somewhere? I'm pretty sure I do. All right, let's play it. Let's play it because we need to get a little bit more. I mean... I, you got? Can you get it? Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, play it. Here we go. This was because we we didn't. Was it two weeks ago? This this got Bradley Coopered. This got cooped. Yeah, <laughs> right. This got cooped. By the way, this is, is, that, part of, this is, is that our new phrase for stuff that doesn't make it? Bradley. It got Cooper. Bradley Coopered. 
<laughs> yeah, because of that whole insanity a couple weeks ago, we had to uh, we had to reconfigure, we had to replan, we had to redraw the map of our podcast week, and that we were and scrambling us, worse than Mark Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we were. At any rate, play it. Play all right, it. all right, here it is. So I lose. Here's the email I get. The subject is football. Two words: foot and ball. So I know this is coming. Uh, if there's someone who's worse in their ability to fathom the NFL, I'd like the name. Otherwise, it's you. Eat shit, loser. <laughs> I oh, want this, to win le- in this league. Is this a league-wide email or just to you? Just to me. <laughs> so he's not even banking on the laughing of other people. Correct. He just is. Yes, yeah, to me. <laughs> wow. Does it give you an indication of me wanting to win this league over not? <laughs> All right, I sort of lost it. I had to bleep it out there. Yeah, I had to bleep it twice. Fine. In a, in a short radius. Well, anyway, that, uh, right. I'm not wrong. They're feeding well, no, Bryce Brown in a manner that they are. He got consecutive th- thrice. Four whatever, times whatever in a row. He's four good, times man. in a row. So they've got pieces, but so that's one thing to take out. Um, and, and you also heard, too, is the the um, the whole concept of, of uh, you know, putting a football layer over what happened in Kansas City is just it's it's sort of ludicrous what were wondering your, about football wise I didn't see game day morning Rich so I don't know if you express his opinion but do you think they should have played the game on Sunday I mean if they say they should have yes yeah and they, they and they clearly they wanted to and they clearly channeled it and and you know who am I to say that to somebody you're making a mistake if right. they say that we want to play it I don't think anybody you know anybody Forced them to play. They took apparently a, they, they took from every from every. No, I was just curious because from kind of every been, from every debate. part of from every aspect of it, it sounded like they went out there and yep. and um, and played the game that they wanted to play, and it was uh, it was quite something else. And then and then let's, there's this. Let's let's get to this too. Uh, I mean, what, how they channeled everything and and comported themselves. From the coach on down, to everyone else. It, it was um, inspiring, and again, I, I, we cannot forget the fact that there is a three-month-old girl out there who will never know her parents, based off of this awful aspect of it, and you know, um, and a young lady who lost her life just because she ended, wound up dating and having a child with the wrong guy, who, to, by everyone's accounts. Is not this guy that we're all talking about right now? Yeah, but, I mean, you talk about a a whole bevy of terrible decisions to make in succession. We still don't know what happened. At oh. any rate, the, play what Brady Quinn had to say after the game, please, Chris Law. Yeah, this is this is this was go. good. You know, I know when it happened, I was sitting in my head thinking, what could I have done different? Um, you know, when you ask someone how they're doing, do you really mean it? When you answer someone back, how are you doing? Are you, are you really telling them the truth? Um, you know, we live in a society of social networks and Twitter pages and Facebook, and that's that's fine and stuff. But you know, we have contacted with our work associates, our family, our friends, and um, it seems like half the time we're more preoccupied with our phone and other things going on instead of the actual relationships we have in front of us. And hopefully, people can learn from this and try to actually figure out if someone's battling something, you know, deeper on the inside than what they may be revealing on a day-to-day basis. How about that? Wow. It's not something you hear very often in a post-game. He's not wrong. Yeah. How many times are you on your BlackBerry or your 
your phone. How many times are you having a conversation with somebody and somebody is just looking down and writing an email? Oh, yeah. It's and, and, and in 2012, you never, ever look at that person and say that you're, they're being inconsiderate or, or what have you, even though it can be taken as such. And how, how much do you really care about the person that you work with and that you see every day? When you ask the question, how are you doing? I mean, wow. Talk about perspective. Yeah. That you get through through uh, sports. Yeah. In, in, in this instance, the fact that, you know, this happened with a sports player at a, and, and was played out at the very end at a sports facility is the reason why it's being talked about. I mean, we hear about these awful instances so much. Um, and... You know, the uh, family for uh, Cassie Perkins sent out a press release statement today on Monday. So did um, Jamal Charles, whose wife, Whitney, was first cousins with 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 Cassie Perkins. Introduced them. And introduced Javon Belcher to them. And Uh, Jamal Charles, you know, again, it's so difficult to to put it in in terms of, of football because it's so much larger than that. Jamal Charles ran for 125 yards. Yeah. 27 carries. I mean, he, of all the people involved here, I mean, his his wife lost a first cousin. Right? I mean, this is family. It, is, it affected his blood family. It affected his football family. Romeo Cornell's team played their best game of the year. In week 13. So, I, I mean, I know there was a whole debate. Should they play? Should they not? The players said we, we are going to play. They asked all of the captains, do you want to play? Everybody said it was unanimous. Nobody has since come out and said, well, that's not true. There may have been a couple players who, who, who may not have wanted to play, and maybe the whole group... Uh, aspect of this peer pressure said, "Okay, I'll play." They played their best game of the year, and now they go. You know, I know Coach just said that he thinks they might be "quote unquote" spent emotionally. Chiefs are in Cleveland this week. They want to play one for their coach. They're going to Cleveland, which, as you know, uh, showed Romeo the door, and Brady, and Brady Quinn. That is right. You are not wrong, bro. Brady Quinn said he wanted to go to Kansas City because of oh, Romeo Cornell. my goodness. So I would venture to say they are not spent. Probably not. But then again, um, talking about this in those terms can be construed as not uh, paying attention or honoring those uh, who were lost in uh, regards of uh, this young lady who was Apparently, a te- uh, trying to become a teacher, and a three-month-old daughter. I mean, I can't even think about it. But if uh, um, if you haven't read it, to uh, Peter King, Peter King, wrote I mean, an excellent. I tweeted it out saying that just shows that's why he, that's why he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah. there's so many great uh, articles about this whole thing, and and Mike Silver, our good friend, was the one who was truly pounding the table on Saturday, saying this game shouldn't be played. And, right. You know. Um. But um, that's the situation with the Kansas City Chiefs. In a uh, week 14, they are going to be in Cleveland. And also um, the uh, aforementioned game that uh, Brian Billick is calling. That's a game. That's pretty huge. 
That's pretty huge, as the Ravens are going to get in going to RG3 in his Monday night performance we were about to talk about at length. But um, the big game with the Ravens, the Ravens, as he pointed out, uh, they are they are in the three seed now. Even though they lost to New England, New England is the two seed in the AFC. And the reason for that is, is Denver is also nine and three, which means it's a the tie break at this point in time. It's very difficult to explain the tie breaks, right? Because a lot of these things will eventually deal with the fact of a of a, of a common games record, and Denver is soon to play Baltimore, which means this is incredible too, because Houston's playing New England this week. All four top seeds will have eventually played one another in the regular season before the playoffs. Think about that. Oh, that is doesn't happen often. Houston say, is yeah. about to play New England. They've already beaten Baltimore. They got boat raced by Green Bay. And right, they beat Denver over. in Denver. Okay? New England boat raced Denver before Denver came back on them. Right. But they still won that game. New England lost in Baltimore in the final throws of replacement ref ball. <laughs> When, We've forgotten about when New England, times, uh, I know, and New England uh, lost to Baltimore, and they're about to have a, a record against Houston. And Denver is going to play Baltimore. What week are they playing each other? Denver is playing Baltimore week fifteen in an early CBS game, and NBC's not flexing out, uh, flexing into that because they're they're already sitting on San Francisco at New England. How about that? New England's got two games in a row at home. Against Houston and, and San Francisco back Monday to night, back Sunday night, and then it gets a little easier. They're in Jacksonville, and uh, and then home for Miami to wrap things up. So you take a look at this, and Baltimore may not get that bye week based on that loss. You brought it up with Coach too on Mon- on you, Sunday. You saw that handshake. Obviously, I thought that was bizarre. Like Tomlin, I don't know what that was. About. I yeah, thought he was strange. a little bit in in the wrong there. Well, you never know this this whole. You never know any history. Yeah, but but I mean, he just are... walked up and said, "Congratulations." What's with the hardballs and the handshakes? And the handshakes. <laughs> well, the other thing, Charlie Batch crying after the win. Like, well, how could you not, man? I mean, I mean, it was his first touchdown pass I think he'd thrown in like 700-plus days. Come on, well, dude. People you give, can't give it. Good pe- for him. No, good, good for, for Charlie him. Batch, right. He probably never thought he was going to start another game again, let alone another game of such importance for his team right. with the whole country watching. Well, I know, and I know, he balled out. Our, 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 friend, great. our friend Damashek, the Pittsburgh guy, gives the Ravens crap all the time because last year, I think it was week 13, they dumped a, a Gatorade bath on Harbaugh when they beat the Steelers in the regular season. It's like, what are you this doing? This is, is the regular season game. It's different. Yeah, I don't know. Ravens. You're a Steelers, professional quarterback. Ravens. Steelers. You're giving him crap for crying. Or? I'm giving him crap for. There you, is crying in football. You should be expect to win the game. You 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 should be expecting yeah. to win the game. What is with Chris Law wow. here? You are feisty. Your Eagles season has put you. I'm in bitter. A I'm a bitter bitter mood. Eagles fan. I'm At sorry. At one point, we are going to have to re rack the sound. Oh, you t- predicting <laughs> how the Eagles Luckily, season is going to finish up? I was I was just thinking about Think that. Think about other day. that too. Once but, upon a time, three and one. Now three and nine. Yeah, Charlie. Once upon a time, four and zero oh, Arizona. Now four. And eight. Once upon a time, once three and eight. two, San Diego is now four and eight. Think about the San Diego season. But, yeah. but you're, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, hold on. one more second. Think about the San Diego season. 
three and two, up twenty four nothing on Peyton on Manning Peyton, at oh, halftime. Right. Exactly. Up on Peyton Manning at halftime. Yeah. Twenty four to nothing. I mean, they were three and a half and two. One half away from being four and two. They were three and a half and two, and they are now four and eight. Four and eight, and they go now across the country in week number 14 at Pittsburgh. And you know Ben's going to come back. You just feel it. You feel it. You feel it. And they're home, and they got three or four to go, and that's that. As now Mike, make your point as before, Mike, we get, before we turn to New England. Oh, I was going to uh, say. Because the sulk's about to come in. Yes. Wouldn't you rather have Charlie Batch quarterbacking your Eagles right now? <laughs> no, no. Come on. No. You, you, you wanted to come back for that? Come on. I mean, eight in a, I, you've lost eight in a row. I know. It's bad. It's bad. But Chris, look, six offensive starters. Eight, by the row. way, it's not too late to change your rushing champ pick to Bryce Brown. Yeah. Well, true. Does Bryce Brown have more than Darren McFadden? Than your rushing champ? Pro- Let's check oh, that stat. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Let's check that, that stat. It's not too late for me to Let's take. Let's check that stat <laughs> right now. Well, Bryce Brown's got to learn how to champ, the ball. Your rushing champ, Darren McFadden, 455 <laughs> yards on the season. Bryce oh. Brown now 488. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Shoe. Now 488. Now 488. It's not too late for me to change. What does McCoy have? If I had told you before the season that Bryce Brown would have more rushing yards than both Darren McFadden and Maurice Jones-Drew entering week 14, you'd say what? And Fred Jackson. You know who I'd say? And Fred Jackson. I'd say who's Bryce Brown. And Felix Jones. (laughs) The Bryce is right, man. (laughs) How about that? Hello. And Felix Jones. No, Felix Jones, I'd agreed with. I mean, we we dude. I don't know. And I'll tell you what. You know who's got more rushing yards than Michael Turner? More rushing yards than Michael Turner through thirteen weeks. Robert Griffin at the third. Correct, Amundo. Correct. Really. Correct. Now let's talk about his Monday night performance along with uh, the New England Patriots because his man's a big Patriots fan. Let's welcome the Sulk into the podcast booth once again. He is the executive producer and writer of one of the more hilarious shows on television, The Family Guy, big-time Patriot fan. Welcome back to the podcast, Alex Sulkin. Thank you, you, sir. Great to to see you. Also, also, um, the owner of, from somebody in my position, one of the most unretweetable Twitter accounts. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many times you tweet something, I'm like, that is hilarious, no chance I can retweet right. that. Yeah, no, I don't think that, uh, you know, if Goodell is looking at your Twitter, <laughs> he, I Well, think... I mean, I do follow at NFL Commish. I yeah. do too. And he does follow me. There you go. But I don't believe he's out there monitoring his you think Twitter. maybe he's in his PJs at night, kind of chuckling at what you're... I don't know if that's an image. I don't know if I can confirm <laughs> or deny. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I, I don't think he's out there doing I don't think he's tweeting. <laughs> no, you, know? you think somebody's doing that for I him? I think somebody's doing the tweeting for him. Okay. Uh, I, well, I, he's a busy guy. I believe that. He's a busy when guy. When was the last time Goodell even tweeted? Um, I don't know. Let's check that out. Chris Law, do you want to check that out for I'm me? I'm on it. I'm At on Chris it. Chris Law, check, check that out for me while we, uh, while we chat with the, uh, yeah, with the Sulk here. He can't tweet. Um, so here you are. Here are your Patriots now yeah. in the two seed. Two seed. Three. No, they're in the two seed. No, I thought they they lose the tie break to the Ravens. Right? Well, they do, but the thanks to your good friend Peyton Manning making it a three way tie, that goes out the window. It's now the tie break is love best it. record in the conference, which you have. I love that. Um, so as long as Peyton Manning makes this a three way tie, you're sitting there in the bye week position. God That's bless Peyton Manning. That's right. Isn't that the way it goes right <laughs> now? Um, so what? 
is your greatest concern? Because all you New England fans are always looking for the Very trap door worried. to open, despite how many Super Bowl rings you have with Tom yes, Brady and Belichick. Yes. Well, you know, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the grain here because I think a lot of Pats fans would come on and say, "Well, obviously it's defense mm-hmm. because we our defense has been suspect all year." I believe our defense is trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I'm a little more concerned about, and I was talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, with Tom Brady's deep ball. Uh, he used to have a, a, a beautiful deep ball, a high-arcing, perfectly placed to Randy Moss in stride deep ball. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen it this year. I'm not convinced that uh, Brandon Lloyd is a legit number one. Yeah, he hasn't just it's, – it's, they haven't had one in, since Moss. No. Or before Moss. It's really? like the best one of Brady's <clears throat> entire career. Was right. Randy Moss. Absolutely. Right? No question. Dante Stallworth isn't moving the dial <laughs> for you? Yeah, Dante Stallworth. Welcome back to the uh, New know, England Patriots I know. That's, here. That, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the uh, the reggae-haired receivers. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't love it. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm follically challenged. Right. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't hold that against anybody. But, I, you know. I, they just never seem to be as good. I don't, I don't know. Are they as good? Who I mean, Sidney Rice. Sidney Rice, Rice is good. Well, Josh Julio Jones cut his. He used to have the predator. Oh, yeah. And, well, and, 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 Remember and, at the combine, he had the really long. And his lack of production three of the last four weeks, uh, along with that of Eric Decker and Vincent Jackson and LaShawn McCoy, or a good Rich, reason why. Let it go. Uh, my fantasy team <laughs> is, is out. Oh, we are no. now on the outside looking in. Oh, boy. Let it, let it go. Also, Rich. because I tried, I, I don't know about you. Are you you're in fantasy? I'm not. You are I'm not, not a you fantasy know, I, I, I did it for a couple seasons. I really like it, but. I get so emotionally involved with football as it is, and it might be different for you because sometimes your team isn't really there at the end. <laughs> but like, so you know, I feel like uh-huh. I have I have a lot invested just with regular football, right? And I don't want to be forced to root for some guy that on a team that I don't like. I see. Like what I don't I, I don't like Ray Rice. So, but I would pick him in a fantasy league because he puts up monster stats. So you are comfortable placing all your bile. In one particular place, one bucket, if you will. Absolutely. And you don't want to, I guess, uh, water that down. I don't want to root for Matt Ryan. You know, I don't want to. I don't what do you got against Matt Ryan? Matty Ice, except for his terrible nickname. Well, you know, we have we have tried to affect change on this podcast, Alec. Uh, yes, right. yes, we came. We we came. He came on. Um, back in when was it? It was like week four, I think. It week was three early or four. on, and I yep. asked him, "Do you like?" The nickname Matty Ice, and he can't come out and blast it on yeah. full because there are so many fans who who have adopted it. Right, so we territorial fans, territorial fans yeah. up in uh, Boston in the New England area. I know from his BC and down in Atlanta, they have they they it's so entrenched. It's yeah, it's stuck. It's too it's, it's too entrenched. We have tried to affect change with the natural. The natural, I love that. We call him the natural. Oh, that's great. And he liked it, <laughs> and and I told him that we would try and affect change by the point that we saw him on Thursday Night Football, which was last week, and and I I, I felt he came on the, sh- the set after the game on live television, right. and we are joined on the set after the twenty three to thirteen win by. The natural himself. Dude, that was coming. Uh, he, he's been pushing it pretty hard, man. Oh, what do you think? You sign off on that new nickname? He's doing good, man. You got a lot of people saying it out here. Uh, yes. 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 Been he's feeding the movement. beast. He is feeding the beast. I felt like he wanted to hug me. 
You right. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. I, th- but, you know, it, it would have been in, Rich was driving down a one-way street, for inappropriate sure. Inappropriate on so many <laughs> levels. But I, and I introduced him as the natural. Love that. And he goes, yeah, people are even, he points to the stands, people are using it now. I love like, that. Sort of That's much you. better. Much better. But anytime I say it, my Twitter feed explodes. It's, it's hashtag Matty Ice. Back no, off. hate that. Well, when, when the Falcons played the Ravens, I don't remember when that was. Maybe it was even last season. The yes. worst nickname battle ever. Matty Ice and Joe Cool. Joe Cool. Oh. Joe Cool. I Joe mean, cool. there's only that one Joe fit. Cool, right? There's oh, only one Joe absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. From, from, so you're concerned. You have now parsed things down. Yeah. To that, should the Patriots need to win the game by taking the top off of defense? You are it's concerned that do. your future Hall of Fame quarterback is physically unable to do it. And right I'll now. tell you what, I was I was at the Seattle game this year, which was a heartbreaking. You loss. went up there. I went up there, oh. and a great place to watch a game. Awesome place to watch a game. Did you Terrible wear any game. colors? Did you? Oh wear- yeah, I was wearing all my Pats. I mean, because they're you know they're, the- they're loud, but essentially they're pushover nice people up there. <laughs> you know, it's like they're not. They don't the twelfth man's a pushover. Well, they don't have the same the same that venom. East Coast like, venom. I I, you know, I would wear it at a Jets game, but it would I would get a lot more flack. It's this is the football <laughs> version of because uh, laws from Western Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, and you're and Chris Brockman's Maine. from Maine, as right. you know. So we're all East Coasters in a way. It's the same way living out here in Los Angeles. Yeah, how everybody lines up in the exit lane on the freeway. And all us East Coasters can just pull up on the uh, right on the right lane it's the next greatest to move it, ever. Yeah. and we just and we yeah. just, and, and people just wave you in. Right, right, right. Where, that that's, that's the sort of football yeah. version of, of the Pacific that. Northwest is like that. I mean, they're loud. They're very co- well coordinated as a fan base. You know, they know when to get loud. They're good fans. They're passionate fans. But ultimately, they're too nice. <laughs> to you know, to really have the the same thing that we have back east. Does Brockman so, remember that game? I don't know. D- there was something on the line for that game. Oh, uh, that was. I don't there know. was. I don't know. We had we had thing? the uh, the no the no. Uh, Schaefer's. Uh, do you know Jackie and Jeff Schaefer? Uh, I don't. They they are the creators writers of the league on oh, FX. Oh, okay, right, right, right. And we he has uh, termed the fr- phrase "boat raced," which has caught on. It has caught on. Which is if the team's getting blown out. They're getting boat raced, which I'd never heard of. Have okay. you ever heard that? No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. So he, feel, feel free to write that. Sure, we're, but sure. we're hearing it on CBS it's all now. Over the place it is now. all over the place all now. Over the place. Wow, I love and, that. And I'm, you know, we're trying to affect change we're here trying. from this. We're making from, change. From our, from our, from our small platform. From our, I know. And if okay. you can see what we're all wearing, it's even more ridiculous. <laughs> 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 this place would be yeah, the, the it, hub of change. It ain't black tie. So at any rate, that was on the line because they're big Seahawk fans. He's a big Patriot fan. Had the Patriots won, they would have had to and use the word boat raced in one of the uh, as yet unscripted, unproduced league league episodes for this year. And instead, uh, Chris Law now gets to appear uh, in a cameo role for next year's wow. league. Season wow. Season five. That, so. there, yeah. that is a, a lot, lot on, on the line. line. Well, you can blame that all on Belichick's hubris by not kicking a field right. goal at the end of the first half and going for uh, uh, from the five-yard line with six seconds left, trying to run one more play. That being said... The, the reason that they didn't get to kick a field goal was because they called intentional grounding when Brady threw it out the back of the end zone, which I have never seen before. There's always somebody in the end zone near that ball. That you, was they never an odd that. Call. And then it was the 10-second runoff, and then the yes, half, half Yeah, that's over. why the half ended. And I knew right. at that time... Uh, you Wasn't know, good. I, I said that's going to be Bad a news. huge difference. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the last time the New England Patriots lost a football True. game. True, and I Indeed. was there it, and, and wet year. to watch it. They have now won 21 straight second half of the season football games. Isn't that unbelievable? I, I mean, it is. That's incredible. That just shows you this modern-day Lombardi. 
he is the, within five years of him saying, I'm not coaching anymore, they should just put him in the Hall of Fame now. Unbelievable. Actually. He is unfreaking believable. Nick Saban is clearly the same way in Alabama right now. No matter what, they just get the right guys for the system. Right. And, Except and, you know, Saban loves the camera a little bit more than Belichick You think does. so? Oh, my God. You you don't notice this? I don't know. He stri- he strikes. We me were talking as- about oh this. Oh my god! Oh my Saban, god. watch Before. every post game interview. He makes like insane eye contact, like his girlfriend with the camera. Like he's talking <laughs> to the reporter, then at the camera, then the reporter in the camera. Uh, Belichick just you know Be- his Belichick, press conferences are like you know, it's over. Yeah. yeah, I mean with him. But I mean, great. it just is a testament to <clears throat> coaching guys up, getting the right guys in the system in the right place. And even though you sit here and go, well, the defense is X, Y, and Z, it's not nearly as good. By the time the season ends, you're going to be ready to roll. It's unreal. And He's, I have so much faith in him. And man. I think we talked about this uh, when the replacement refs were in there the first couple games. In the first couple of games, certainly in the first game, he had game planned against the replacement officials. There were several uh, illegal formations that they totally got away with in the first few games because they knew the new the other officials wouldn't. Uh, the replacement officials. I wouldn't totally catch believe it. that they are always the best situational football team in the NFL. It, you just it, we saw it last week in um in Atlanta uh in the where the Saints had a similar situation to the one you just described for the Patriots in Seattle except that it wasn't a hubris moment and it wasn't a moment where you got in your mind screwed by the refs uh where Drew Brees somehow some way just checked the ball down to uh to Sproles with no timeouts left and they couldn't get another playoff yep. at the end of the half and those are three points they could have used at the end of the game when they're trying to. He's trying to do too much down two scores. Yep. He could have just. They could have just run their regular offense That's and exactly maybe tied the game. And you sit there, and I turn to Marshall Falk. I'm like, "What was that?" And he looks at me. and goes, "That's." That's Sean Payton's absence right there. Absolutely. That right there. He's like, very few moments in the season you could just put your finger on a specific player, specific sequence, yep. and say that's where Sean Payton would have been the difference. Is he still going to Dallas? What's happening? I don't him? know. I mean, his contract is not yet. I know, there's Done. a whole thing there. And neither, by the way, are the Cowboys. We just had Brian Billick on before. He's going to call the Cowboys at, at, at Bengals game this week, which is a huge, huge Week 14 game. And then the Bengals turn around four days later and appear on our network, our last Thursday night game of the year in Philadelphia, where they announced just this week that Nick Foles is going to be the starter the rest that's of the right, season. That's right. Eagles still move. gunning for 10 wins, Rich. Yeah, that was that oh. your prediction? Or you even down? I didn't you dial it down to nine? I said just nine. You backed I, I off and dialed seven. it down to nine, <laughs> which, by the way, if they go on a six-game winning streak bleeding into next season is the only way they're going to have <laughs> they're nine dedicating, wins. They're dedicating this season to Arlen Specter. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, nice. Right now. It's a Pennsylvania. I, I got you. So, okay, so you're concerned. That's it. Other well, than no, that, that's I, it yeah, for the, yeah, because, for your uh, again, back to that game in Seattle. Yes. Uh, when Sidney Rice was running like nobody was near him and catching a, a touchdown, there was still over a minute left. Now, the Super Bowl Patriots, Super Bowl champion Patriots of the past, a minute plus would have been possibly enough time when you're down by one to maneuver your way into field goal range. Right. These Pats, they just didn't have anyone who could get by anyone, especially uh, Sherman and Browner, you know, who the, Ad- the Adderall twins <laughs> in, in Seattle. Seattle, there we go. Seattle, going to get that going. See, that's why you have a big time rider. This man wrote Ted for crying out loud with his compatriots. That's right. There, you just you just saw it right there. 
Right. So um, so they just didn't have anybody who could get. You know, Welker's awesome. Gronkowski's awesome, but they can't. Like as you say, take the they can't take the top off a of defense. Well, they finally didn't win a game by more than three scores this week. I know. I know. <laughs> but it was Brady's first ever December win in Miami, and it's the mm-hmm. first time he's above five hundred in his career at Miami. His True. entire career, it finally took him all this time to do that. And now you take a look at New England's schedule the rest of the way. They've Tough. had a big game Tough. this week. Houston. They're all at home, though. I mean, yeah. the big games are at home. Yeah, they're they're three of their final four at home, mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're home for Houston on 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 uh, Monday Night Football. Then they're home for San Francisco on Two Sunday games. Night Football. Two tough games, and then they're at Jacksonville. Oh, it's uh, that 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 San Francisco game is a Sunday Night Football yes, game. Sir. Oh no, yes sir. Why would you got to roll? I don't know. I just I now we got to wait all day. Is no, that I got to listen to Collinsworth. You don't like Collinsworth. Games. I mean, some of the time I do, and some of the time he I'm not sure me that crazy. Alex Sultan doesn't like Chris Collinsworth. Why? That was doing the Collinsworth. Oh, you know, he oh, says, I see. Oh, <laughs> there you go. The he always says, "I'm not sure he, he doesn't a, do something." He said He's a great full- thing this week when he said, uh, "He said." Uh, you tell people Tony Romo's a good quarterback, and they get angry at you. <laughs> yes, but it's a, true. I mean, totally he does true. speak in such a folksy manner or I just know. a straightforward manner. And then you're home uh, for Miami. So 9-3, uh, yeah. and three, what do you give yourself? What do you give yourself when it's all said and done? Conservatively 13-3. and three. I mean, uh, tw- yes, yeah, that's very conservative. No, so I, that, I think, uh, yeah, you, I love how you've ignored the Jacksonville game. Um, well, I mean, uh, you're in Jacksonville. That's a win. So yeah, that's, that's 10. a win. That's, a that's win. 10. You're home for Miami. That's I, 11. I think I, that's you know, 11. The I question think, is, do you split th- Houston and San Francisco? I think we split. I think we split that. I think you take them all. I hope we do. I think I hope you take right. them all, and you're, you're going right. to get the bye week, and that's what's coming. That'd be I great. Believe, I believe that. And then, and then uh, if that's the case, if that is the case, then yeah. I think you're going to end up seeing Baltimore and Pittsburgh for a third time. In the wild card round. Oh no! It was like two years ago, right? You're going to see a part three in Baltimore, and because I think the Steelers have three of their final four at home, and they're going to—they're absolutely making the playoffs. And Ben should be back this week, possibly. And my apologies to Cincinnati. There's no way they go into Pittsburgh in Week 15 and take that thing out. I got to disagree. Week 16. You think they? You think they do? I think Cincinnati is the rising team right now. Ben Jarvis. We said this. We said this. Going into Pittsburgh week 16. Remember when the Giants were going to Cincinnati and we said. Going into Pittsburgh week 16. They can't do that. They can't. They never could. Cold December. Then again, I thought the Eagles were going to win. I don't know, bro. I don't know. I I just see it. It's the way this is materializing. I see this. And and then the battle between NBC and CBS will begin to see who gets the Denver Colts. Andrew Luck four, four, at Peyton Manning. Why is that still a battle? It, it, let me tell you something. Epic does not describe what that would be. That Andrew Luck makes the playoffs his first year in Indianapolis, filling in for Peyton Manning in such a way that nobody's talking about Peyton Manning. That's despite how great Peyton Manning's season is. Unbelievable. He then faces first playoff opponent in Peyton Manning's new digs. It is. Mo- I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it. It is monumental. I can see the goosebumps here. Monumental. Are- now, why, monumental. why is it up for debate who would get that game? Because CBS would want it. But I mean, what, what do you mean? Of course, obviously, they both want it. But why doesn't somebody already? Ha- why isn't that's not determined yet? Mm, no, there's, wow. that's going to be a big huddle between well, Titans that, of industry. Not wow. to mention too, if, as to who gets that wow. game. If the Broncos lose, that means Tim Tebow took the Broncos further 
Oh, there's then all sorts of Peyton stuff Man- like that. I mean, there's right. the Colts. Right. The Colts let Peyton Manning go to Denver, and Andrew Luck not only gets him to the playoffs, but Be- knocks him out. Be- Are you oh, kidding? That me? would be huge at their house. Or Denver faces Manning faces his first playoff game as a non-Colt. Are the Colts after a two-win season put him first on the clock? Be yep. huge. It'd be huge. Are you kidding me? The entire <laughs> country would be pulling up. It's a chair. only too bad it couldn't. It can't be in Indianapolis because that would be. Yeah, I know. Truly yeah. That ain't that. That's not unless unless. I mean, the Colts. Hey, Colts could run the, the table. Colts, the Colts could run if the Colts run the table. I mean, they're they're in Tennessee. They got home for Tennessee this week. When? But they're. I know. But they're still so young that I don't even think you can sit here and yeah, start just well, w-ing yeah. everything. Yeah, games so that young, they should win. They're so young they don't know any better. Well, we talked Maybe. about it earlier. They have two games left against Tex against the Texans. Against right, right. right. Oh, but, that's tough. That's why the Texans have not. We mentioned that before. The Texans have not yet clinched the AFC right, South because the Colts. Because are if so the well. Colts do run the table, they would win the division. Yeah. Forget. I mean, I, I, <laughs> it's that, exciting. That's a little. It is exciting. Yeah. It's very exciting. So th- that's that's the way I see these things playing out. And then you, as the two seed, might get. Uh, might get Peyton Manning in your house or the Ravens in your house again. A rematch of the AFC Championship would... game. It's just, the AFC playoffs. Despite the fact that it's such a moribund conference this year, Ooh. and thank you, sir, and then it's only really a seven-team race yes. for the six seats right what now. A, what a seven-team race it is. Okay, it's just the, those final four games. It's going to be awesome. It's, it's going to be It's right? so great that we're at a point in the season now where we can You could see it materializing. Think about all yeah, this Yeah, you can see the clouds it's, it's, it's forming. Amazing. The cloud oh, formation. God, I just, uh, you know what? I dislike the Ravens so much that... Uh, I, I, I you used sound to, like Tomlin with the I used handshake to hate, here. I, yeah, the what angry chicken, about? Tomlin. <laughs> oh no, I'm talking Coughlin. I right. got him confused. No, I I I dislike the Ravens. Um, I used to hate Manning. I I now embrace him, respect him, think he's great. Don't hate him at all. He's like a Jordan type figure. Yeah, he you know is. What I mean? He is. You can't. It's like you can't hate him anymore. When when we played the Colts a lot early in our rise, yeah. you know, then he was more hateable, but. Now I just what he's doing this him. year is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He's totally turned the the Dem Broncos into the Colts. I know it's, it's, it's his insane. offense. It's insane. They totally believe in him. The defense is playing lights out. Well, he's amazing. He's amazing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, what do you think of RG three? He's six and six now after Love the him. Monday night win against the Giants. Love him. It was. It can was, he do this? You think? I, I mean, hope he can. And you know, his best shot, as they were saying uh, last night, so many times, is to win that division. You know, it's it's going to be tough for the, him to make it as a wild card. Much, I think, a uh, better route is to try and overtake the Giants in that division. You yeah. know, who knows well, what's going to happen? The Giants there. have the uh, the Giants this week. The, they, they, the, the Ravens are going to RG three. Giants have three losses in the division. This they week. lost to the yeah. Eagles, Cowboys, and now yeah, the Yeah, and so RG, that's the way that RG three can take that down. Right. It is, was it is, was impressive is. that that drive in the fourth quarter was impressive. They're a week uh, two Josh Morgan penalty away from leading the division. Well, you want to talk about <laughs> things that happened early on in the season that are affecting the greater in order. Seattle, things yeah. get ready because we're going to hear about the Seattle Green Bay finish oh. all three weeks of that disaster of the replacement refs. We were saying here on this podcast, there's going to be an asterisk moment. Yep. There's going to be an asterisk there moment. Was. And it's going to be something we talk about in December and January. Get ready for it, because what? Seattle would be six and six right now. Green Bay would be nine and three above San Francisco. Green Bay would be in the two seed right now with a bye week off in front of San Francisco. Seattle would be six and six with Washington. And based on everything that I see here, that would be a five team race at six and six. I can't figure it wow. out. Right. But what it would be. But the concept that Seattle would be the six seed right now. 
Probably not. I don't know how a five-way six-and-six tie would go. But Washington's right behind him at seven. So you'd figure that maybe Washington would be the one that goes up there. It's going to be week after week after week. It's going to get louder and louder. You're going to see that play over and over again. We would have missed. We would have been down one Pete Carroll ridiculous celebration too. <laughs> Somebody tweeted me that he's going to do a cartwheel after. Unbelievable. But RG three, you just feel it. Oh, and then you see like the, the celebrities on the sideline. No, coming to there? see him. Like CC Sabathia was Last there. Night, Carmelo yeah. was there. Kevin Durant was there. Everybody wants to come see him. Yeah. He's become a folk hero. He's great. It's crazy. He's great. And so who do you vote for Rookie of the Year? Well, they're, they're we only got four weeks to go, night. but... Uh, you know, I, I, I think you got to wait till the end of the season to see, because, I mean, if, if... Is it just RG3, whoever makes the playoffs, really? I, I don't know. I mean, is, I mean, Doug Martin's still in this Doug conversation. Doug Martin, don't forget him. I know, I know. Uh, but, I, I mean, at this point, unless Doug Martin goes on yet another run like he had earlier in the season to get Tampa to the, to the playoffs, it's going to have to be either Luck or, or RG3. I it has to be. You have to tilt... What about Russell Wilson? Uh, yeah, he's been good, too. He has been. He looked great this week, but still. I mean, come worse, on. I mean, seriously, seriously. RG, I no, RG3. I'm just saying. I go RG3, RG3 just did complete uh, three consecutive wins in a row. Back to back to back. Right. All his division opponents beat Philly, beat Dallas, beat New York, and beat Dallas in New York uh, on on th- on uh, on national yeah. television. Also, and this doesn't matter, but it, I mean, this shouldn't matter, but it does. He's doing it in a market that is just kind of needs it more. Oh, I gosh. mean, like you know, Indy always gets kind of the short shrift with all this stuff because it's a smaller market, but. When people go crazy about somebody in D.C., you feel it much more, you know, throughout the country. It's more exciting for everyone. And uh, I just – and also I love seeing the Giants get beat. Amen. Watching Eli walk around the, the field after the game last night looking for somebody's hand to shake while RG3 was being hoisted around on, like – Justin Tuck was practically hoisting him around on his shoulders. The Giants love RG3. The defenders love him. Well, you Washington can... is now 3-0 and um, since Mike Shanahan said that the rest of the season was going to be for evaluating players to see who's going to stick around. No. He said, I know we're not statistically out of it. That was after they lost to right. Carolina. Um, and right now, look, now look at him. Remember Shanahan. the hullabaloo he gave up on the season? And well, the hullabaloo also remember two years ago when Rex Ryan said, I guess we're out of the playoffs, and they wound up making the playoffs and went the to Bengals. the AFC Championship yeah. game. Yeah, you know, sometimes coaches that. just get the, the emotions, uh, get the best of them right there. That's true. But Maybe that'll happen again this year for the Jets. I doubt it heavily. <laughs> uh, I mean, as we're currently sitting here, they haven't even – Rex is not – I mean, I can't even imagine what they're going to do in Jacksonville. It's just a total – it's a total mess. They had the schedule for it, I'll tell you that. They do. They could finish 9-7 and seven and save everybody's jobs. Uh, before uh, before I, I let you go, are you uh, are you going to write the Oscars? Are you part of this? I am. Because well, I, I mean, know Seth yeah, MacFarlane is hosting the Oscars. Yes, it's very exciting. I'm writing it with a few other people. Um, but we've already gotten together. We're working on promos and, you know, songs and now, things you, like that. I don't need to tell you Yes. how sensitive... The Academy and the actors and actresses who are in the audience right. at the Kodak Theater are. Oh, I know. Well, that's, I mean, that's why we've gotten a list of people who will be there, and we're going to be making fun of the people who won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the plan. Yeah. I mean, people have gotten in trouble. for. I mean, it's Jon Stewart, right? I mean, they're very, people yeah. have gotten in some hot water, and right. they are now inviting. I mean, they have to know, they know they who know. they are inviting to, to be the creative but process I in think, this thing I here. think I'd, it's, an, it's an ideal situation for Seth, in a way, because 
I think that he has a reputation of, you know, sort of like edgy, sort of racy humor. Mm -hmm. But at heart, he's like a a 1940s, like, song and dance man. Right. You know? I I mean, like, he's going to go out there and these old fuddy-duddies are going to be blown away by the fact that he's singing like and dance. You know, so he is going to do is he going to do a Billy Crystal type open where you <coughs> where you're I, going to sing I can't reveal exactly okay. what he's going to do but sure. there definitely will be singing involved. I don't know whether it's going to be so much in the open or kind of towards the middle but uh, there's there there will be a lot of uh singing involved okay. and uh, not just by him but okay. um it's you know it's gonna it's very exciting. He's thrilled. He can't wait. I think it's gonna be awesome. Well, except for the movies aren't really obliging. It doesn't seem well. I mean Lincoln. You got. I mean that's what's more funny than than Lincoln. <laughs> right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. What else is there? What's more funny than uh, the Iran hostage situation <laughs> yeah. in Argo? Les Miserables. Oh, that's hilarious. that's a laugh. That's yeah. a laugh, Ryan. I'm probably Lincoln. gonna have to, I'm probably gonna have to bleep this, but uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings uh, Playbook. Uh, you know why? Why do you have to bleep that? We had uh, Bradley Cooper and oh, uh, terrible title and Chris Tucker uh, already interviewed for our show, and um, and we couldn't air it. Because Why? they're they're in a, a a a film about gambling. Oh, that's what that movie's about. No, it's not really. But, but it is, doesn't involve a heavily. There's, there's, let's just put it this there. There is there Terrible is a title. lot more to it than you can just ask on Harvey the surface Weinstein right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. go speak to Har- <laughs> please go for go go take down Harvey. We we have some stuff about him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's and and yeah. Frank, will James Franco be there? Uh, Would James Franco, be you know, there? if he's oh, if he's goodness. there, it would only be a a, a joke to, that he would hopefully be a good sport to come out and make it his expense. <laughs> <laughs> so this is all in the works. Yes, right yeah. now. Yeah, there's really nothing definite this right is now. Fantastic. Yeah. We, yeah. we were present. We had a podcast presence at the Oscars last. Yeah, year. we had Heinz Ward. Um, we we sent him Mr. and Brockman on the on the <laughs> on the the red carpet. It was actually Heinz's last official public as a Pittsburgh Steeler public appearance as a Pittsburgh. Steeler. He was released, I think, the next, next day. day. Wow. wow. Yeah, he was there on Oscar the Sunday, and it was the last time that he was, people walked around and goes, oh yeah, you're a Pittsburgh Steeler. Next day. Nope. Gone. Yep. They, they heard they the did, podcast. Yeah. So that was that was last year. It was and, last year. But the Academy changed hands in management. I don't think our buddy who hooked us up was... What do you think? we got to get in on that right now. Yeah, I still have some email addresses. I can start sending out some stuff. Oh yeah, we have, we have email yeah, we got to send somebody though. out there. I mean, we they should were get, great we got to get on that now. They also put us like four... We had a clutch spot on the, on the it's line. It's always and Sunday. We were in it's, Indianapolis. It's always Combine Sunday. Oh, that's... Which, which, land, right. which well, just brings a little bit of Tinseltown to Indianapolis. That's right. We have we have we have a we have an Oscar pool every Sunday night of the uh, of the combine God, and Mariucci so who knows it. nothing about movies nothing seriously he wins he yes because wait he, who won last year last year it was Matt Pomeroy jo- Jordy no it was Wimmer. Jordy Wimmer, Jordy our, Wimmer one of our directors the director right. yeah it was a three way tie and I blew it I had to name the uh, you the Scott last, Hansen yeah me well Scott Hansen is the uh, he he's he's the uh, he guy was, who comes up with the tiebreaker question right. when he's not involved. And it was name uh, name as many of the last ten Oscar hosts as you could. Oh, and I whiffed on um, I think Whoopi. I didn't. I forgot <laughs> she did it one year. She did it with like Robin and Billy. Yeah, I know they did sort of like or a Steve Martin. You had Steve Martin. And of Alec course, Baldwin. I, 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 yeah, I got, got that. that I got Ellen John DeGeneres, Stewart. and I got James Franco. Ellen DeGeneres got... did not host the Oscars. Sure, she did. Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, did. She yes, did. Sir. yes, sir. Yes, she did. Are, really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But you are truly going to break ground. Oh, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. seriously, you We're are going to dominate if that's the case, dude. So, <laughs> again, I just hope that they fully. Co- I mean, how do they not see your work? Right. 
and see what you do on television with the Family Guy and what Ted was all about yeah. and not fully comprehend I, what's coming here. I think they're all about trends and who's who's trending. Well, they need to be young. Right. They need people to, you know, yeah. they need to look like they're yeah. with it. Yes. Can I tell you exactly. one of my favorite parts about Ted? Well, not my favorite part about Ted, but one of my favorite memories from, from seeing the movie in sure. Santa Monica. I went with my wife. We saw it at the promenade, and the row behind me in Four Seats Down Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh yes, at the movie watching Ted. It was awesome. Is that right? Yeah, and it's brilliant. one of those movies. It's great to see with people because Sugar Ray comedy, out of his like right that. eye, presumably. Unfortunately yeah. for Sugar Ray, um, he's been on this podcast before. He thought he was seeing on Golden Pond too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know. He, he buys a ticket, but I don't know if he was there. Does it make any sense? <laughs> yeah, that's right. oh, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I know. It's he's not. He's a little. He's slipping a little. I bit. love Sugar Ray. <laughs> His, his podcast performance last year Let me ask you, you was... have been pretty much on this show since day one. Not since day one. Brockman came on board about a year plus ago. Yes. Worst podcast guest? It was tough. It, it worst was... podcast no, no. guest? No. He was or so, he was so oh, bad. No. Uh, and the, yeah, the person he, who helped arrange it. He's on the Mount Rushmore. The person who helped <laughs> yes, arrange yes. it has since given other guests to the show and each time says, I've got to make up for I, that. I've oh, make all up. right. Well, that's tough. Yeah. yeah. By the way, but hey, but he loved Ted. <laughs> <laughs> he, lo- he lost to Hagler, by the way. Yeah, he well, lost that fight. And that's why he thought he was seeing on Golden Pond, too. No, no, no. He, but they said he they, won. They, I know, he, but he, he took a beating. He, he took an absolute beating. Uh, what? Uh, again, Ted 2, is that Ted being worked on right now? Also in the works. Yes. How yeah, great is this? That was yeah. awesome. Well, I mean, they, they, so, there's, we were, it's practically a gunpoint that we have to do Ted 2 now yeah, that the first on. one did Please. You know, so it, well. So well. So yeah. what do you, so your days are, you're, you're, you're putting, see, what season is for the family guy? Nine? Eleven. Eleven? Yeah. Season 11. Yeah. So you're putting together scripts for season 11 and you're producing season 11, right? Right. And also working on Ted 2. Yes. And getting Seth MacFarlane ready for the Oscars. Right. And, and it, it was just announced. Yesterday in uh, Hollywood Reporter that we we've written a comedy western that's filming this spring. What is Seth, that? Seth's going to star in, and it's what's called A Million Ways to Die in the West. What, what was the last? Com- I mean, City Slickers is probably the last comedy western I can think of. I they, guess they it's an untapped. That's awesome. So yeah. what's, what's it called again? A Million Ways to Die in the West. It's, uh, we may need to work on the title. Will there it's be a live-action bear in this movie? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Alec, thanks for coming Rich, on, man. thank you this for having me. This is always a pleasure. Love Follow this Love man at the Sulk. Rich's Chris Steakhouse. Can I call this Yes. <laughs> I like it. The podcast is Rich's Chris Steakhouse. Uh, follow uh, at the Sulk, S-U-L-K, Correct. on Twitter, nearing a half million followers. Close. Half million followers. Um, and what else? Any other quick items that we need to hit? Uh, real quick, this guy gets. You got your international, international shout, shout out? out? Yeah, I'm not ready, dude. Fill, fill some time. What Rich. is going on? I, I gotta fire up you the phone. You have like 48 hours and to do this. I got filing back to Twitter. Uh, December 4th, or uh, I'm sorry, November 4th was the commissioner's last tweet one month ago. Wow, Whoa. it was uh, Sandy. He was at the game and uh, oh, he's got things going on. Man. Yep, he's man's got guy. things. He's busy. got things going on. He's busy. And uh, so please go to puntersorpeople 2com to get your punters or people two t-shirts. I'm wearing you know, one I'll right say now. You're wearing one right I'm now. rocking Very it. Sharp. I'm rocking it. Thank I you. You got a picture and tweet that out. Thank International you. shout out uh, to Matthew McKee says, "Hey, can we get a shout out for the Croydon Rangers gridiron team from Melbourne, Australia?" Ah, so we go down under. Junior Vic Bowl winners 2012. Well, as you know, as you know, all of us in the sports media, anytime here the uh, Australia mentioned, must use the phrase down under. 
I have to. Otherwise, I have my sports casting card revoked. Same thing with anything in London. It's always got to be across, across the, pond. the pond. If Absolutely. I don't do that seriously, I can get fired. That's how we roll here. <laughs> so thank you, Alec. Pleasure. Thank you for having uh, me. Again, season season 11. 11. Sundays at 9. Yeah. On Fox. Correct. We see those promos all the time on Fox. And um, Chris Law, at Chris Law, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Rich. At Chris Brockman, no longer an underscore. Thank you, Rich. For At The Eisen Podcast, I'm at Rich Eisen saying thank you for listening. Presented by Chevy. Stay listening, friends.